1: To another Kansas missing and unsolved podcast. I'm your host Ricky Chabugy, and with me as always, Derek down there in Arizona. How's it going, Derek? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Uh,
2: had a pretty had a pretty crap week, but uh, I'm turning <laughs> it around. I'm feeling positive and uh, excited to see what happens. We got Andrea Lynn uh, Toman here from Junction City. You you know Roxanne pretty well, right? You guys talk yeah, before? I
1: talk quite frequently.
2: Okay, awesome, Southeast Oklahoma, yeah. and that's cool that she's a part of our page. Not being that she's not even in Kansas, so yeah, her and um, Kaylee
1: on Messenger. About awesome, cases we got stuff. Double
2: T in the house saying final. Yeah, I was sending off a few last minute emails. Uh, Ricky was also watching TV loudly and and eating in my ears. so that was you. <laughs> mi- you didn't miss much, Double T. You <laughs> didn't miss much. James Webb from uh, Joplin got Marshall County in the house. Ed Debbie Miller. And then we have Kansas, Mickey, Mickey Martinez, Christopher Unruh from Greensburg. I love Greensburg, Kansas. So anyway, yeah, what's been up, Ricky? You went and saw the the King today, huh?
1: Yeah, that was that was pretty fun. Um, yeah, we went as I mentioned Tuesday. Uh, we were me and my brother and my daughter went to Wichita today. Tried to get my other kid to come with us, but he didn't. He didn't want to do it. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty fun. Your son, your know, your son said no. <laughs> yeah, he said no. He wanted to hang out with friends. Now, Ricky, just...
2: don't take this the wrong way. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but this man's 72, and I, we're yeah. not going to say your age because you're still single. We want to make sure we keep that a little bit. Uh, that's an ace in the hole for the for the ladies in the Hell Jar. But no, he looks a lot better than you and me. He's yeah, 72. No. He looks great. Like, he looks like he's like 50. Not even 50. He looks 45.
1: Well, honestly, he has had some. Uh... Uh, I think some face work done over the years. <laughs> oh, I don't I'm know sure. For but he was nice, though. I mean, he's, he's holding my book and my figure there in the center photo that he signed for me, and that was pretty cool. That's really cool, man. I'm glad you got you to know, go there. That's my and brother that... standing That's us, Double T, standing behind us there. Nice. Um, my did daughter that... didn't want the picture. She, I asked her, so you want the picture? So, no.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> did you uh Did he have a pretty big crowd for him?
1: Not too bad, actually off to off to the well as you're looking at the pictures off to the left would have been lou ferrigno and then on the other side of him dean kane which i didn't i've met lou ferrigno before so i wasn't worried about him and dean kane was just too darn expensive
2: oh wow (laughs) yeah well that's really cool man i'm glad you got to go have fun and see, see one of your heroes man
1: yeah i've been i've been wanting to meet him for a long long time i've been watching memphis wrestling since early 90s thanks to a friend of mine doing his tape trading and then of course now with youtube i can find it all over youtube now so Patricia arnold in the house Uh,
2: reggie says ict in the house i love wichita i never i never knew it was called ict until my friends uh he has a ict live channel it's a bunch of live music from that from that part of the from wichita
1: and that's what they actually call comic-con ict comic-con yeah what does ict stand for i have no idea
2: (laughs) Reggie, what does ICT mean? I mean, I know that's in the name, Wichita, but it's it's kind of odd because a lot of friends like, ICT. I'm like, I don't get it. Uh, Ricky's videos. Yeah, it's because I was running a banner. We might have to leave StreamYard soon. Uh, I used to watch him in the 70s and 80s. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Haley's in the house from Hutchison. (laughs) Double T says ignore the 47-year-old in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, I'm telling you, Lawler looks good for 72, man. Yeah. I'm good, Kaylee. How are you doing? And he
1: still gets in the ring and wrestles.
2: <laughs> oh, it's airport abbreviations. Okay. Okay. Kind of like how where Brandon's from, they call it RDU because that's what the airport there is called. Uh, okay. Cindy Trotnik here from Parsons, Kansas. Awesome. Sweet. There we go. ICT is the airport abbreviation, which has become a nickname for the city cool i i like the nickname because like i said a lot of uh, oh. i have a friend that lives there and she'll she'll say she'll talk about her where she's from and she'll say the ict mm-hmm. and
1: now i know okay. it's the airport code so you i didn't realize how big well it's been years since i've been in in century two auditorium but i didn't realize it was that big yeah <laughs> we did quite, quite a bit cool, of long
2: well we'll we'll have to do something fun in july when i'm out there um Because I'm going to be in uh, Western Kansas on the first and the second. But for the rest of the week, I'm going to be in Wamigo. I don't know how far you are from Wamigo, Ricky.
1: Mm, I'd have to look.
2: But it's close enough that we could get get together and do something. Which, you know, which is funny. Me and Ricky have never met in real life. So um, Mm -hmm. that'll be new. That'll be new for us to meet in real life. I have a feeling he's going to be short.
1: I am short, five foot six. Oh yeah, I'm gonna tower over yeah, you, buddy. Well, Mega's about eighty seven miles away. Oh, from it's here. nothing.
2: We can totally figure something out.
1: Yeah.
2: <coughs> Excuse me. We could do a meet and greet in uh, Salina.
1: Yeah, that would be, be really
2: cool. cool. Yeah, other side of Manhattan. She says, awesome. Hi,
1: Charles from Nigeria. There we go. Charles from Nigeria in the house. Wow. That's awesome. Well, hey, Charlie, thanks for joining us from Nigeria. Yeah.
2: Well, um, you want to go ahead and get in some cases, Ricky? Sure. All right, Well, right. We'll be right back after this. Um, you're watching the Kansas Missing and Unsolved podcast.
0: If you or someone you know is thinking of running from home, has run away, or if you are a runaway ready to go back home, call 1-800-RUNAWAY. That's 1-800-786-2929.
1: All right, we're going to start from one right here in Salina, Kenny right check? and he's been missing from Salina, Kansas, since November 4th of 2019. He was 69 when he went missing. He's now 71. He's five foot nine. He weighs 175 pounds. He has gray hair and blue eyes. Some he does sometimes use the last name Brown as opposed to right check. He does suffer from diminished mental health capabilities and is on disability, but he has not tried to access. Uh, his money since he was last seen he may have family in northwest kansas possibly around colby kenny was last seen at the gospel mission in salina he left there and hasn't been seen or heard from since he does not have a phone a vehicle or any identification again at the time of his disappearance he was 69 he's now 71 he's five foot nine weighs 175 pounds has gray hair and blue eyes and if you have any information regarding kenny's disappearance or you know of his whereabouts, uh, please call the Salina, Kansas Police Department at 785-826-7210. Or you can call Crime Stoppers at 785-825-8477. Or text SA TIPS to CRIMES, which is 274-637. Or visit www.pd.salina.org and follow the Crime Stoppers link to submit a web tip. You may receive a cash reward of up to $1,000 and you're not required to give your name. And you can call the K or you can call the KBI. At seven eight five two nine six four zero one seven, and see if we can't get Kenny located and back home, you know, safe and sound where he needs to be. I think but, it's terrible. We
2: only have one picture of Kenny. Yeah,
1: you know, it's the only one I'm able to
2: find. And it looks like it's maybe from an identification, or maybe Kenny got in trouble, or it looks like an official picture. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sad, you know, he's he was 69 years old last time somebody saw him, and there's just not, but you know, honestly, Kenny's one of those to me. He's it sounds like from what you've described him as to me, mm-hmm. Kenny seems like somebody who just was happy with just breathing. You know, he was just like yeah. happy to be here. He didn't need much in this world, he didn't mind sleeping outside if he had to. It seemed like he was just a happy go lucky guy. And I hate to see that there's no resolution on, you know, if something happened to him, if he got in an accident and he passed away. I mean, there's people like you you didn't even really know him, Ricky. You just knew of him. You've seen him. But yeah, even I you would to love him. to have some resolution on what happened to Kenny. Yeah. Did he, did he yeah. go live in some other state and he's just doing his thing there? Or did something happen to him? Like, it's like there, there needs to be some type of resolution in this. It's been it's been
1: too long. Right. It's been way too long. Yeah, I, you know, like I said, I used to talk to him in the gas stations and stuff while I was playing pinball and video games and things of that nature. And I never really ever heard him say a crossword to anybody. So, I mean, he was the nicest guy.
2: Hoffman Casey
1: says, poor Kenny. Yeah. Reggie Osborne says, any lakes around Salina? There's one actually in Salina, Liquid, over at Liquid Park. How big is it? Um, it's not too small, but it's not too big either. Uh, Cindy says, does Kenny have family? The only family that we've ever known about is possibly up in the Colby, Kansas area. Colby, Kansas. Okay. Uh,
2: Huffman casey says, I have a bad feeling that something happened to Kenny
1: yeah that's you know as as long as it's been, and you know we had that really, really bitter cold, cold, cold winter when the wind chills were down at twenty thirty below zero and stuff. Right. and I mean, yeah it's it to me it's not looking too good. I hate to say it, but I mean, it's just not looking too good.
2: Double T chiming in saying Kenny's case still troubles me a lot. In my opinion, someone like him just does does not vanish without some type of extenuating circumstances. I agree people. Yeah. typically, And you know what? It's like, you, you know, you, you think that people don't just disappear, you know, they, they, they go somewhere, but Kenny was really nomadic, you know, it sounded like he didn't yeah. really, nobody really knew where he was all the time, but I mean, still it's been, it's been years Uh there. He's had to have, something's had to have happened to Kenny or he is there's it's very likely he could be in a you know nine states away doing Kenny right check stuff in another state he doesn't have social media he doesn't have an idea it could be easy for somebody not to find him um that's why it's important that we share these flyers you know in groups and in places outside of the state of Kansas because some of these people could be in another state
1: you know what I'm saying right yeah and he used to Ride his bike around and push his bike around, pick up scrap metal and cash that in. And the right. people are there, said so they haven't seen him for the longest time either. You know, and Reggie Osborne is asking, has anybody checked that lake? Um, Not to my knowledge. Not that might be something. Knowledge.
2: Maybe I wonder if uh, Adventures with Purpose know anything about Kenny's case. I don't know. Might be something if anybody's a fan of theirs, might send them a message and be like, hey, Kenny Wright check. There's a lake in Salina. I know you guys like to look in water. Um, you yeah. never know that, you know, they're, they're a YouTube channel. They're always looking for material. They're always looking for right. something to film. So um, Kaylee says, I hope he's OK, though. Um, yeah, so that's uh that's a rough situation. I hate to see that. But we're going to go um, over to Ulysses, Kansas, Garden City, Kansas. Um, real quick, we're going to play um, a voicemail. The flyer that Ricky made long, way too long ago um, shows that as far as what the police are saying, Alexander Perez has not been seen since December first, two 2020. Um, that's why the flyer reads us so. Um, but I'm going to play a real quick voicemail. This is a voicemail that was sent to Alexander's cousin, I believe. Um, and this was on December, I believe, 8th. So this is uh, what we have here is some stuff that uh, we, we've been airing this last couple of weeks. But this is basically the last um, tra- transcripts from Alexander Perez that we know of.
1: I don't know, man. I'm supposed to be going back early morning to go get some shit and then
2: go get some other stuff down there and bring it back down here, but I don't even know, man. It's been a while down here. It's been crazy. I've been held at gunpoint and robbed and tried to beat me up. It's a bunch of crazy going on in GC, man. bunch of crazy blank going on in GC. I feel like those are Alexander's last words if you think about it. His uh, his last words that he spoke to the public was there's what was he saying there there's something crazy going on in GC. Yeah. I, to me I think that's a big key factor of what's going on here. But go ahead and read his flyer.
1: Okay. Um see Alexander President missing from Ulysses, Kansas on December first of twenty twenty. He's thirty-five when he went missing. He's now thirty-six. He's five foot eleven, weighs two hundred and thirty-five pounds, has black hair, that he shaves nearly bald and brown eyes. He had last contacted a family member via telephone on December first and advised he'd be coming to their home to wash clothing items. Um he never arrived at the family member's home in Ulysses and he's not been heard from or seen by family or friends since then. He had been staying with family and friends prior to his disappearance. It's believed that Alexander may still be in the local uh, Ulysses area, or he may be in the Garden City or surrounding areas. And of course, we also know that you know, some not so positive informations come out about what may have happened to him as well. Which hopefully is not the case. Again, he was at the time of his disappearance. He was 35. He's now 36. He's five foot eleven, weighs 235 pounds, has black hair that he shaves nearly bald, and brown eyes. Has a tattoo of a bumblebee on his face underneath his left eye. Has Perez tattooed on one of his arms, and he has a tattoo of a cross on a chain across his chest. If you have any information regarding Alexander's disappearance or you know of his whereabouts, please call the Grant County, Kansas Sheriff's Office at 620-356-3500. Or the Ulysses, Kansas Police Department at 620-356-4600. Or the KBI at 785-296-4017. And see if we can't help figure out what happened to Alex and where he is and help get him back home.
2: 100%. Way going on too long.
1: Definitely. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Double T says the voicemail was left a week after he went missing. That's curious. That's That's the timestamp that our source has. Mm-hmm. Um, our source has was sent that on was it, I think it says December sixth or eighth. Like I'll I have to look it up, but definitely not December first. Um, Ricky, where did you get December first? Like, where do you typically get your wh- wh- where you're going to put the date on? Is when they were last seen.
1: Mm, I believe that was actually sent to me by the family member that asked me to make this flyer. I do believe. Okay. okay. All right. So, yeah, it's really up
2: in the air. We know that uh, it was either, we'll have to look, it's December 6th or December 8th that he was at least alive t- enough to send a voicemail to our source. Right. Or it was a pre recorded vo- video or pre recorded audio snippet that was sent to our source. We don't know for sure, but we know that yeah. that was the last time anybody heard from Alexander.
1: Right. It just sounds like it was physically last seen on the first, but then he was heard six. from on the sixth. So,
2: sixth. Okay. Yeah, Reggie says, "Yeah, Adventures with Purpose is a great idea. I think somebody should reach out to them. They're always looking for material, and they would they would probably love to come search that lake." I don't know them at all. I'm not a I'm not a big YouTube watcher, but I just know they're they're doing God's work over there.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, this is another one that really um pulls at my heartstrings. I've I this happened while I was living on the East Coast. This actually happened about thirty minutes north uh, west of where I grew up, um, in a small town. Um, but when I was on the East coast, I had heard about this because it was actually on like Dateline or one of those, you know, you know, about 2000, whenever it happened, it was a few years after it happened, but it was on like a true crime te- late night television show. And, uh, I got to know the case that way since the, since that's happened, I've gotten to know, um, Mike's sisters and, uh, you know, like everybody, everybody in, uh, Stanton County, Kansas called him California, Mike, or the milkman, he drove an old milk truck around. Um, so, Ricky's going to tell you about Michael Eugene Gola, but this this one has had some nationwide notoriety just because of some things not adding up. But go ahead,
1: Rick. Okay, hey, yeah, Michael Golub's missing from Stanton County, Kansas. He's been missing since May twentieth of two thousand five. He was twenty seven when he went missing. He would now be forty four. He's six foot two, weighs between one hundred and sixty five and one hundred and eighty pounds, has brown hair and blue eyes mean he was last seen around 6 p.m. on May 20, 2005. He just finished work uh, at his job at Kramer's Harvesting and was supposed to pick up his five-year-old son at his ex-girlfriend's home but never arrived there. He's never been heard from again. He left behind a fiancé with whom he had an infant child. It's uncharacteristic of him to leave without warning. Michael's Golden Brown Chevy S10 uh, with toolboxes and and Trago County, Kansas, license plates was found abandoned on a county road in northwest Grant County, Kansas, two days after his disappearance. Following the truck's locations, authorities began investigating Michael's disappearance as a potential homicide. Shannon Floyd, Michael's ex-girlfriend, and her husband, Chad Floyd, were arrested and charged with first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder in Michael's case in June of 2006. Authorities believe he went to their home and was shot to death on the night of his disappearance. There was a great deal of animosity between Shannon and Michael, and they frequently disagreed over child support and visitation issues relating uh, to their son. Michael's blood was found on Floyd's front porch, and the Floyd's defense attorney said there was insufficient proof that Michael was dead and suggested he had committed suicide or left of his own accord. At the couple's July 2007 trial, the jury was unable to reach a unanimous verdict, and a mistrial was declared. The second trial also ended with a jury unable to reach a verdict. Michael's body has never been found, but foul play is suspected in his case due to the circumstances involved. If anybody has any information on Michael's disappearance or you know of his whereabouts, please call the KBI at 1-800-572-7463 or 785-296-4017 and see if we can't help find out what happened to Michael
0: and where he may be and help get him back to where he needs to be.
2: You know, he's got, and the thing is, is he's, he's not a Kansas guy. You know, he's California, Mike, you know, he's from California. Um, So, you know, anybody who's ever been from a small town, um, because I know small town, anybody that knows small town vibes, um, listen, I love the people of my home state of Kansas. I do. I love my, my home state. But I know things about small towns from that area that if you're an outsider coming in, you don't always get the warmest reception. And that's not always for bad reason. It's just I think people are protecting their their surroundings, they are protecting their families. They don't know who this new person is. So when somebody like, you know, Michael goes missing in a town where he's never really been from and nobody knows him really. Um, it's, I'm sure like, it's, it's just hard. It's just really hard. And I'm sure it's hard for his family that he had. Most of his family wasn't in Kansas when this happened, he was kind of out there. Um, so it's, it's just, and, and as far as the trial goes, you know, I, they've, that's all been pretty much well talked about the, the, the general consensus with the public is that, you know, Michael's ex-wife and her now ex-husband did something to Michael, Um, that's pretty much public knowledge and public perception, but there's this little thing called evidence that they don't have. Um, so this is one of those things, uh, where you want, we, we, we have missing on the flyer, but if you talk to Michael's sisters, they would probably rather us put unsolved homicide on here. Um, there it's, it's that, it's that to the point where, People have talked about this case. It's just there's no evidence in anything. Um, And the reason we keep sharing his flyers is because maybe maybe somebody that was around that time knows something that could break this case wide open and give some people some resolution. Michael has two children. He has two children on this planet. Okay, I mean, this is this is a big deal. They don't have their dad anymore. Um, that's that, that things like this can't go unchecked. Somebody has to go down for this. We have to get resolution out of this and it's already been way too long.
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: But as you know, it's, it's very, That was she. Kaylee says that was when I was born, two
1: thousand five. Yeah. So she
2: says. Double T says uh, it was on Forty Eight Hours. That episode, I believe, is somewhere on YouTube. Very interesting. Yeah, that's where I saw it on YouTube.
1: Hmm. I have to look for it. I don't think I've seen it yet.
2: This is my uh, buddy Troy. I he was he was uh, commenting on a photo I shared on Facebook, and I said, "What are you doing? Come over here to Kansas Missing and Unsolved and hang out with us." So he's and here. How are you? you doing, Troy? We appreciate you hanging out. Yeah. I'm glad to you. Yeah. Um, you know, that's it's just a it's a tragic case, Michael Eugene Golov. You know, that's just been way too long. Um, so real quick before we go into any more cases, we were hoping to have a picture of the event, but uh the people that helped us out today, there's a lot going on. So we we made a banner. Um, I'll go ahead and show the banner. We made this, but well, we didn't make anything. Ricky made these flyers. Um, I I hired with uh through back home media, which me and Ricky own together. Um, we hired uh, Hard At Play Sports. Uh, I think it's just called Hard At Play in Garden City. They designed this flyer and printed it. It's three foot tall, nine foot wide. So this thing is massive. Wow. Yeah, and yeah. Um, it's right now it's being it's hung up at a live music festival going on right now, the Gunsmoke Sessions in Dodge City. Um, it's it's still going on. They've been going since three o'clock this afternoon. So wow. uh, this flyer is hung up there. We're gonna get some pictures for the web for the for the Facebook page tomorrow. And uh, we, we're kind of covering all these cases tonight. But uh, yeah, shout out to everybody at Gunsmoke Sessions for, you know, re- and it, it was really, you know, we they made the flyer on Thursday. It was ready on Friday. Um, the flyer ended up going to uh, the person who was delivering the flyer. because It's an hour drive from Garden to Dodge. The person delivering the, the banner, um, there was some illness in her family um, last night. Somebody had to get in an ambulance. Um, so she wasn't going to be able to make it to the concert. So I I was looking all morning for like three or four hours. I was texting people, calling people. Can you drive a, a, our banner from Garden to Dodge? Couldn't find anybody that could do it until late at night. Um, and then my friend called me and she said, you know what? My my loved one's OK. They're doing great. They're out of the hospital. I'm going to go ahead and go. And at this time, this point, the flyer was at Golden Corral in Garden City because the lady who made it, she she was closed on the weekend, you know, so. She sent it with her son to Golden Crow, and he kept it behind the counter, and she went and picked it up. It was a whole – Ricky had no idea what was going on, but it was a whole giant to-do getting this thing over to Dodge City tonight. But Ricky's going to be in possession of it soon, and uh, we're looking for more places to hang this bad boy because these are some great flyers that we want to solve.
1: And Troy O'Donoghue says, I'll follow you anywhere, sir. There we go. I, t- I knew it. He's he's a loyal, <laughs> he's a loyal friend. Um, let's talk about Colton Ross
2: Barrera. One of the reasons I I added wanted to I, one of that flyers especially because I'm under the impression that somebody had reached out, I believe it's Colton's mom and said um that Colton's dad was from Elkhart, where I'm from. So that's that's why I feel like a, a connection to this. But anyway, let's go ahead and read. Yeah, go ahead with that, Ricky.
1: Okay. And Colton Barrera is missing from Russell, Kansas since September, excuse me, since September 26, 2008. <laughs> He was 17 when he went missing. He would now be 31. He's five foot nine, 135 pounds, brown hair and brown eyes. A friend uh, dropped him off at an outdoor skate park, and Colton was supposed to call him when he was ready to go home, but he never did. Authorities believe he left on his own accord, but Colton's family doesn't, doesn't believe this because he wasn't having any issues that would cause him to run away, and he didn't leave his wallet with his identification behind. Information suggests that Colton may have been killed and his body hidden. His case does remain unsolved, and if you have any information regarding Colton's disappearance or you know of his whereabouts, his mom is asking that everybody call the Kansas City Field Office of the FBI at 816-512-8200 to get them involved in the case. Again, I guess they were for a short time, and she would like them to get reinvolved. so she wants everybody to call them first. Or you can call the KBI at 785-296-4017. See if we can't help get Colton found and brought home and where he needs to be.
2: Double T. I honestly believe Colton's case is foul. Yep.
1: Yeah. And Trisha's saying, "Can you get the banner displayed at the state fair?" And then Haley says, "That would be something to hang with a table set up at the state." Yeah.
2: Well, I tell you what. If anybody has any connections with the state fair, um, that wasn't terribly expensive to make. We we have a little bit of a budget. Um, we have a sponsor. Not really. It's my parents, but <laughs> they help us out with stuff. And uh, they uh, we 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 were talking, and we want to make a couple of them. So. Um, yeah, if anybody has any connections with anywhere we could hang these big flyers, um, we would love, we would be all ears on where we can get these things. Cause they're, they're like yeah. I said, they're not that expensive to make. And, and I think they're really powerful to put these flyers up on a big scale like that. Like, you know, Colton Ross Barrera, like it's one thing to share it on Facebook, but it's one thing to make people look at it like in a gas station or at a fair you know, to look yeah. at it that big and blown up and be like, wow, that's messed up. There's some people still wondering what happened to their son, brother, cousin. You know, that's that's messed up.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, anywhere we can get get it to be hung up, that would be great.
2: Yeah. We're we're all we want to bounce that banner all around the state of Kansas. Uh yeah. double T says honestly if Colton's case is foul play and someone is hiding relevant information, it's time to do the right thing. I agree. I yeah. agree.
1: Yeah, it's been way too long.
2: Ellen's here. She says she's late, but she's here from Leavenworth.
1: <laughs> All right,
2: Ellen. We appreciate you being here. Yeah. um this is something this is a case that I was talking to somebody in uh, some direct messaging the last few days, and it's stuff that I wouldn't share on this show, but there's always a lot you know there's always you know folklore and stuff going on um with cases and stuff, so this one's not. This one's not uh not free of having some some conspiracies about it, but Ricky's gonna tell you everything we know about this case that's been publicly published.
1: Okay. And Trisha's saying she will message us some contacts. I'm assuming she means state fair contacts.
2: <laughs> I think so, yeah. That's
1: okay. awesome. yep. Rachel Geraldine Pratt, she's missing from Garden City, Kansas since January 16th of 1995. She was 15 when she went missing. She would now be 42. She's 5 foot 7, weighs 125 pounds, has brown hair and brown eyes. Rachel was last seen watching a movie inside the family home in Garden City at approximately 1 o'clock in the morning on January 16, 1995. She disappeared under suspicious circumstances and has never been heard from again. She left all of her clothing and personal belongings at her home except for her coat. Five days after her disappearance, some girls claim to have seen her talking on a payphone with her 18-year-old boyfriend. They say she left the phone with her boyfriend after asking the girls for a ride, then went into Dylan's grocery store. The sighting has not been confirmed, and her boyfriend denies having been with her after she vanished. Rachel was supposed to be a witness against her boyfriend, who's being prosecuted for unlawful sexual relations with her because uh, Rachel disappeared before she could testify. The charges were dropped. They started dating when Rachel was 14 and a freshman in high school. Her boyfriend was a senior. He was her first boyfriend. Um, Rachel's mother found out she was pregnant after Rachel was arrested for attempting to shoplift a home pregnancy test from Walmart. She gave her statement to the police at that time. There's no evidence to indicate Rachel has given birth. There's also no record of her receiving a driver's license, a copy of her birth certificate, or a Social Security card. She may have remained in the Garden City area after her disappearance. There have been no sightings of her in many years, but authorities remain hopeful that she's still alive. Rachel has seven siblings. Her mom still lives at the same address and has kept the same phone number. If anybody has any information regarding Rachel's disappearance or you know her whereabouts, please call the Garden City Police Department at 620-276-1300 or the KBI at 785-296-4017. And see if we can't get Rachel found and back to where she needs to be. that's um
2: that is a old case talking about 15 years old to 42 i mean she could potentially be a grandmother you know because that's that's not unheard of for somebody to go you know somebody to be a grandparent in their 40s you know especially you know she was 16 and pregnant you know it's like so there's a chance, you know, it's like she should be an adult woman right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, this right. is an old case. This is something that and I talked to a, a Garden City police officer about it. I ran by some of the conspiracies I heard. I ran him some of the some of the stories I ran by him. And uh, basically, he told me the same. He told me, yeah, he's like all these all these stories that you thought were like big conspiracies and secrets. He's like, we've heard them all. He's like, people have come to us over the years and they've told us all these conspiracy theories. They've told us all these ideas of what happened to Rachel um, and who's involved and who's who's a suspect and who's who's the culprit. And uh, he said they all lack one thing, evidence. So it's one of those things like anytime something happens like this on this scale, there's always going to be you know, folklore. And I think that the thing is, is if you have, anytime you have a situation where there's folklore and there's rumors about something happened like this, and there's multiple stories, that leads me to believe that everybody's talking their 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 rear ends off, you know, at get togethers and parties, everybody's talking about what they know. But one thing I will tell you, Kansas residents, and I know that's only because that's from the state I'm from, is you're not having these conversations in front of a law enforcement, and that's basically your conversations are pointless. No, the the law enforcement has to know these things. Um, it's, and I, and honestly, I, I'm guilty of talking about, uh, you know, true crime type stuff regarding my hometown, my home state. Um, because I do find it interesting. I think if if you're talking about this kind of stuff, um, you know, but you're not willing to share with the police what you know at that point, I think it's kind of tacky to talk about somebody's life ending or ne- maybe maybe never being seen again. Um, as if if it's like a party story. You know what I'm saying? Like these people are real people and they exist. And um, that's why when me and Ricky talk about these people, we also put the police department number on there because that's what we want. (laughs) We want people to reach out to the police department and tell the people what you know. Don't just talk about
1: it at parties. Right. Yep. Yeah, definitely contact law enforcement first. Uh, I am open to submitting it for you. If you don't feel comfortable talking to law enforcement, you can just message me at Kansas missing and unsolved and I'll submit it for you. If you want me to keep you anonymous, I can do that too. I've done it before.
2: Reggie says, sounds like the boyfriend did it. Well, I mean, you're not the first person to say that Reggie. I mean, and I'll be honest with you. I don't, I don't, I, I wasn't in garden city when this happened. I was in Elkhart. I only know Rachel's friends and let people that loved her. Um, sometimes the easiest thing that makes the most sense is what happens. And you, when Ricky read the flyer, you, everybody noticed that it said, you know, she was pregnant by somebody who was considered considered like it was like a statutory situation, and she was going to testify against that person. And she never testified because nobody knows where she is. So obviously, um, that boyfriend obviously has a has a, a target on his back. And but we got to look at that two ways, Reggie. Either he did something and he got away with it or it's somebody who's completely innocent and they've had to live every day since January 16th, 1995, was trying to get jobs, trying to trying to be accepted by society with everybody labeling this person as a murderer. So it's one of those things that innocent until proven guilty. You know what I mean? Um, You got to be careful with who you throw under the bus when it comes to crimes like this. And that's why you won't see me and Ricky just openly stating things that we've heard before, because we don't want to damage anybody that's innocent. You know what I mean? Right, but I understand Reggie that you would say that because honestly, I've thought it too. I'm I i do not know the situation. You read that line, and you're like, "Well, that boyfriend doesn't sound like that doesn't sound like a good position for him to be in." Considering she yeah. disappeared,
1: he says Rachel was a pretty girl. Yep. I mean, it makes the most sense that he possibly did it because I mean, she was pregnant with his kid. She was going to testify against him, and you know. I mean,
2: the guy's definitely up against the wall. Yeah. I mean, but at the same time. You know, nobody knows what happened that night except for Rachel and whoever the last person to see her was. Nobody right. knows. Right. Um, so and it's one of those situations, too, where there's there's this narrative where they they, you know, and this is something that I think is a big issue is when you use the word runaway. I think that she was considered a runaway for a while. Mm-hmm. And that is just a killer of investigation. It just puts right. a dead halt in the investigation when they label somebody as a runaway. Right. We gotta stop doing that, society. I've
1: always said they gotta, they should do that. You know, investigate it backwards. Start with the worst worst case scenario first, and work backwards, until they can prove that they were a runaway. Don't just automatically say, "Oh, they ran away." You know, don't just assume that. Because even if they did, especially nowadays with all the technology, you know, did they run on their own accord? Did somebody, you know, coerce or talk them into running? You know. I just I just don't like them just you know I've noticed here recently uh, on Wichita Police department's Facebook page when they post a juvenile on there they'll automatically just put right on there on their post that they willfully ran away how do they know they willfully That's so ran dangerous
2: away? dangerous to say that
1: yeah like I say even if they did run away did they do it other own accord where they talked into it coerced you yeah know, lured you know it's I
2: don't know. Hmm. Hey, you want to take a quick break, man?
1: Sure. Let's go ahead and do a quick break right, and then we'll come back way. with some more cases
2: right back. Actually, I'm going to, I'm going to play one of Brandon's let's go ahead. And cause I didn't cover Dana. We didn't pull a flyer for Dana. Did we?
4: No. Okay. We'll go ahead and play that one. We'll be right back.
0: Okay.
4: Hi, this is Brandon producer of the Kansas missing and unsolved podcast. And today I want to talk to you about one of our outstanding cases by the name of Dana, Jane Bruce. Dana Jane Bruce went missing from Sedalia, Missouri on October 4th of 2008. At the time of her disappearance, she was 23. She would now be 36 years old. Her height is 5 2, and she weighs 98 pounds. She has brown hair and green hazel eyes. Dana Jane Bruce went missing from Sedalia, Missouri on October 4th of 2008. She was last seen at her children's babysitter's home in Sedalia, Missouri. She had left the children there earlier that day so she could go out for the evening. She returned at midnight and gave the babysitters more money and asked her to watch the children for the rest of the night. Dana was seen at the Malone's Bar on Main Street with a young man driving a late model red Ford F-150 truck earlier on the night of her disappearance. She left with that man at 11.30pm. Police have identified the man that Dana was with on the night she vanished. He traveled to Atlanta, Georgia after her disappearance and police questioned him about Bruce after he was arrested there on unrelated charges of marijuana possession and driving on a suspended license. Authorities haven't named him publicly, but they are calling him a person of interest in her case. He told the questioners that he and Dana parted ways after they left the bar and he never saw her after that. She left all her belongings behind, including her hairbrush and toothbrush, and she doesn't have credit cards, debit cards, a checking account, a cell phone, or a car. Dana was last known to be wearing a black shirt with the word Rebel in silver lettering on the front and blue jeans. Dana has a tattoo of a teddy bear with wings and the name Dylan on her upper left arm. She is blind in her left eye and Dana has a two-inch scar along her lower spine and a staple scar on her right shoulder. Her ears are pierced one each time. If you have any information regarding Dana's disappearance or you know of her whereabouts, please call the Sedalia, Missouri Police Department at 660 827 7823 or 6608268100 0, 0, or the MSHP at 5735266178 or toll free at 8663626422 2, and let's work and try and get Dana
0: back home
3: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. group prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: Guess who, guess who computer powered on today? Who, hey, Brandon? Yeah, he got it working today.
1: Sweet. Hopefully we will be we'll back closer pretty day. soon. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hopefully we'll have him back soon. That's cool.
2: Yeah, he, uh, he's he been down for the count for a while.
1: Yeah, Kaylee must be referring to the the runaway conversation we were having, saying that she couldn't be out there at sixteen or everything. Yeah, you would be surprised, Kaylee, at how many how many teenagers sixteen and younger, all the way down to twelve, you know, that I've done flyers for that they say that they you know that they were runaways, and it, it just blows my mind. Speaking of which, what
2: the heck? What what? How'd this happen?
1: I was. I just, I got an email saying that she was located safe, and the uh, person that, that let me know that was on scene when they found her and let me know.
2: I mean, talk about, thank, thank the Lord she was found safe, but I mean, yeah. this girl had everybody worried since July. Yeah. I mean, I was starting to really have some some fears about mckenzie goodall right you know that long at that age just not accounted for but you know everybody that's if if you're watching on facebook give us some uh, hearts you know that's that's awesome news i didn't yeah. ricky didn't tell me i saw it just like everybody else did on facebook and i was like oh my gosh we, they found mckenzie yeah. that's awesome
1: see my understanding was she was found in missouri okay so. Well, found
2: is found. Hopefully, yeah. she can get the help she needs and uh get some get some uh, good, positive role models in her life.
1: And Ellen's saying, thank you for sharing Dana and Bruce's again. You're welcome. Anytime. Yeah, and Reggie's saying, thank God. Yeah, for yeah. real. And Irene's here. Hey, Irene, how you doing? She's saying, hello, Roxanne. Sorry for sending you this text. My name is Irene Perez. I'm oh, a have... biological mom. Do you have any info about him?" She might have meant to send that somewhere else, but... um <laughs> Irene,
2: good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. It's been a little while. Yeah, it has. Hey, uh, tell us about Angel out of Wichita.
1: Okay. righty. Angel Outland has been missing from Wichita since December seventh of twenty twenty-one. She's seventeen years old. She is five foot five. She weighs hundred pounds. She has black hair and green eyes. If anybody has any information on Angel's disappearance or you know her whereabouts, please call the Wichita, Kansas Police Department. 316 660 9452 or 316 660 9456 or 316 263 6011 or the KBI at 785 296 4017 and see if we can't help get Angel located and back to where she needs to be. Yep, yep. That's uh
2: a little while ago, why? Why are we just getting? Is this an older flyer or?
1: No, it was a recent one that I was sent. Probably, I have to go back and look at the email and see when it. I mean, that's created, that's sad been. that
2: she went missing in December, and we're just now kind of hearing about yeah. it. Yeah. And that's a big mm-hmm. point, you know. This we we do this show every week, and we we do we make Ricky makes tons of flyers for this page, mm-hmm. um, but we're not even scratching the surface of all the people that are actually missing.
1: And Reggie's saying, me and my husband are Uber drivers and we will keep an eye out. Thank you, Reggie. Appreciate that. That'd be awesome.
2: I used to be an Uber driver, and I really <laughs> loved that job. Hmm. That was a fun job. You meet a lot of cool people. Meet a, lot of, meet a lot of jerks, too. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of jerks. Uh, let's talk about Jalen Cantrell.
1: Okay. Oh, she's way up here. Wichita. Okay, she's missing from Wichita since February 13th of 2022. 14 years old. She's 5'2", weighs 120 pounds, brown hair and brown eyes. If you have any information regarding Jalen's disappearance or you know her whereabouts, please call the Wichita, Kansas Police Department at 316-660-9452 or 316-660-9456 or 316-263-6011 or the KBI at 785-296-4017, and see if we can not get Jalen located and back to where she needs to be. Hopefully we can get her there safe and sound. Yeah. February
2: 13th. It's been a while, man.
1: All right. Irene says, hi, you guys. Nice seeing you. I've been having a lot of issues with my health. So it's, hopefully you're doing better. Irene.
2: Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. I wish you could buy health, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: You never, know, you never know. Like I have diabetes and all this stuff going on with me, you know, but, uh, you, uh, you, 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 really, uh, you really appreciate the days where you feel good.
1: You yeah, know, they monitor me for diabetes because my dad was, he had it, and my grandmother, his mom, she had it, and her brother had it, and her mother had it. So, yep, every time I get a checkup and they do blood work, that's one of the things they test me for. Unfortunately, right now, it's still, I don't have it yet. I'm the opposite of diabetic. I'm hypoglycemic, and they say it can revert into diabetes, you know, pretty easily. So they keep an eye on me.
2: Yeah, I uh, I don't keep track of my sugars like I should, but I I do try. I do take medication. Like I I, I know from like if, if I have certain. Uh, side effects. I'll know my sugars are out of whack right now. They, they're pretty in check because I'm on medication mm-hmm. and stuff. So,
1: yeah, my dad was doing three insulin shots a day.
2: See, I've never been like that. There's been times where mm-hmm. I probably should have been like that. But okay. So my A1C when I first found out I had diabetes was like 18, which is not good. That's mm-hmm. real bad. Yeah. Um, and then I got it down to five. And then this girl, I God bless her, but she, she was not a real doctor. She was like a nurse practitioner or whatever. She's like, wow, it's like, you don't have diabetes anymore. She's like, you don't need to take medication anymore. And I was like, you sure? And she's like, yeah. So I quit taking medication. COVID happens. I don't get to see a doctor for a year. By the time I get to a doctor, my A1C is at like 16. I'm like in the worst. And my, my hands are bloated. My, my feet and arms are going numb. So I just told, I called my doctors. They put me back on my medication and it took me about 8 months but my a1c last time i checked it was a 7 which is not too terribly bad it's not yeah. good but it's not bad so medication really helps me out and i try to avoid just dumb foods you know just stuff that you just shouldn't eat as a diabetic but i mean i do eat stuff i shouldn't eat but you know you got to take that stuff seriously
1: yeah definitely
2: uh tell us about madeline
1: okay madeline wingo is missing from Wichita, Kansas since February 20th of 2022. She's also 14, 5'4, four, weighs 122 pounds, blonde hair, and blue eyes. And if you have any information regarding Madeline's disappearance or you know her whereabouts, please call the Wichita, Kansas Police Department at 316 660 9452 or 316 660 9456 or 316 263 6011. Or KBI at seven eight five two nine six four zero one seven, and see if we can't help find Madeline and get her brought home safe and sound as well.
2: Yeah, fourteen. It's just too
1: yeah, young. Definitely. Yep, yep. And that's yeah. what I was talking about, Kaylee. There's a couple of fourteen-year-olds that are been they've been missing for a few weeks now. You hope
2: they're somewhere safe, but at the same time, they're somewhere where there's probably some adults that are okay with them being missing. So that's yeah. sketchy. Yeah. So you're, they're safe, but how safe are they? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. That's just rough. <clears throat> Let me see here. Okay, well, let's talk about Alex La Yeah,
1: we haven't talked about him for a while. I know. He's missing from here in Salina, Kansas, since December 8th of 2017. He was 25 when he went missing. He would now be 29. He's six foot two. He weighs 175 pounds. Has black hair and brown eyes. His last contact with family uh, was about four o'clock in the morning on December 8th. He is wheelchair bound, and his left leg is amputated above the knee. And we do know that the vehicle that he was driving uh, was located abandoned northeast of Salina. Uh, Out in a rural area, and all of his personal belongings, including his uh, wheelchair, was and I believe ID and stuff, was all located within the vehicle. Um, at, again, at the time of his disappearance, he was 25 years old. He would now be 29, six foot two inches tall, weighs 175 pounds, he has black hair and brown eyes, he has a tattoo on the left side of his neck that says pain. You can kind of see it on a couple of the photos. Um, if you have any information regarding Alex's disappearance, you know his whereabouts, you can call the Salina, Kansas Police Department at 785-826-7210. Recall Crime Stoppers at 785-825-8477, where you can text Tips to CRIMES274637, or visit www.pd.salina.org and follow the Crime Stoppers link to submit a web tip. You may receive a cash reward of up to $1,000, and you're not required to give your name. Or you can call the KBI at 785-296-4017 and see if we can't help get Alex located and back to the loved ones that are looking for him.
2: He's a tall dude. Yeah. I Uh, never noticed that before.
1: Irene was saying that uh, she's getting there. She had COVID in November and pneumonia, was put in the hospital for five days. I've uh, Got to go with oxygen, and it's taking a lot to get better. But I'm trying, and I have, and I have some heart problems too. And it's from stress and hurt that COVID helped get me worse. Oh wow! Well. I hear you, Irene. I had COVID myself the last. What was it? The last week of January into about the first week of February. Fortunately, it. it wasn't too bad i didn't i didn't have to be hospitalized or anything but i was down for a good week or so
2: i just killed a mosquito
1: yeah live on camera
2: (laughs) well the reason i had to is because my son doc yeah when he gets bit did i show you the picture on on facebook whenever he got bit last summer and he gets these huge like they're they're watery filled up sacks on his legs and arms Wow
1: no like huge I haven't seen I haven't seen so that. my
2: son's literally sitting over there and i saw this huge mosquito so i had to i'm I'm surprised i caught him but i, I yes i did kill no, him so i didn't want him to bite my son but yeah well wow. I, yeah i never knew uh alex was that tall though i mean i you know i we go over hundreds of flyers a month you know but like yeah um i never you know i sometimes i don't see that kind of stuff he's a, he's a tall guy um but this is uh, one that we want to give a shout out to our, our friend um, Ashley Duff, who does a page for Megan Renee Fogle song, and uh, she would be the person if anybody wants to have the most up to date information. You can probably check out her Facebook page or group, and yeah. uh, you can find some information out. That's where we get a lot of our information from, is from Ashley Duff's um, research. But go ahead, Rick.
1: Okay. Well, Megan Renee Folgoesong went missing from Alden, Kansas, um, in, the, in November, December 2015. She was 21 when she went missing. She would now be 27. She is five foot four, weighs 150 pounds. She has sandy blonde hair and green eyes. Uh, her last activity on Facebook was November 30th of 2015, and there was an unconfirmed setting around Christmas time, 2015, at Guys Liquor and Larned, um, which, if I'm not mistaken, was told that. Um, apparently it was proven that it was not her, actually. So, And we do know that uh, Madden, the, the gentleman that's like the main person of interest in her case, um, he actually committed suicide. Police were in a high-speed chase to try to catch him, and he ended up in a ditch on the side of the road. And when officers approached the vehicle, they heard a gunshot ring out, and he had shot himself in the head. So he's no longer with us and able to help with anything, which he probably wouldn't anyway. Again, at the time of his uh, Megan's disappearance, she was 21. She would now be 27. She's five foot four, weighs about 150 pounds. Her weight does fluctuate. She has sandy blonde hair that she does dye occasionally, and she has green eyes. She wears glasses, but not, uh, but does have contact lenses. She has a tattoo on her left hip of a flower design pictured far right. She also has a tattoo on her left wrist of a heart design. Um, It's kind of a heart intertwined with the infinity uh, design there. This says thick, thin. And she has a tattoo on her upper right chest, both pictured above in the second photo from the right. She also has a tattoo on her outer left calf of a dream catcher. If you have any information regarding Megan's disappearance or you know her whereabouts, please call the Rice County, Kansas Sheriff's Department at 620-257-7876 or 620-257-2363 or the KBI at 785-296-4017 and see if we can't help get Megan located and back home to family um, where she should be. Where's Alden? I would have to look exactly. I am not 100% sure. I believe it's out in western Kansas. If I am not mistaken. Let me check here. Spell.
2: You know, this guy that, what's his name? Reggie Madden?
1: Um, no, it's not Reggie. I can't remember the his name No, it's not Reggie.
2: <laughs>
1: it's something like that, though, isn't it? Something like that. It looks like it's south of, kind of south and west of Lyons, <clears throat> which isn't too awful far from Great Bend, actually. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. According to the map, I'm seeing you you shoot down to McPherson south of here, and then head off to the west.
2: Well, whatever this guy's name is, he sounds like somebody that you
1: probably shouldn't. It's David. Get.
2: Whoever, whoever he is, he sounds mm-hmm. like somebody you don't want to get mixed up with. I mean, obviously you can't anymore, but I mean, he just sounded, based on what I've heard about that guy, it doesn't sound great. Sounds mm-hmm. like kind of a problem.
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: Um, we got one, two, three, four more cases to cover real quick. Um, we're Didn't running out of time, me. so we'll get through them. Um, let's go ahead and talk about
1: Catherine Adam. Okay. Catherine Adams is missing again from here in Salina, Kansas. It's April 29th of 1993. She was 35 when she went missing. She would now be 63. She is 5'4", 120 pounds. She has brown hair and brown eyes. She was last seen at 4.30 in the morning on April 29th, 1993 at Quick Shop, a convenience store in the 1700 block of West Crawford in Salina. She drove a white full-size Ford van with a she-has-legs written on the sides in blue lettering. Her van turned up abandoned at 5.45 p.m. the day after her disappearance at Russell's Restaurant and the 600 block of West Point Boulevard. The restaurant was closed at that time for remodeling. The van was spattered with mud on the outside, and it was blood-soaked on the inside. A large amount of blood was also found at a storage unit in West Salina where Catherine, a saleswoman for the Lake Sojourner Company, picked up stock each morning. But there was no sign of her at either place, and she's never been heard from again. Police speculate someone attacked Catherine when she was inside the storage unit. It appeared they interrupted her in the process of loading the merchandise in her van, leaving the door of the unit open. Catherine was separated from her husband at the time of her disappearance, and she had a teenage daughter. Her case does remain unsolved, and foul play is suspected. And As a matter of fact, they've actually reclassified her case uh, from a missing person to an unsolved homicide at this point because they're... Saying that the amount of blood that was um, left at the scene and the amount of blood inside the van, that uh, nobody could have potentially survived the injury that would have caused it. And uh, I also know that they said that on the ground out there at the storage facility, they did find some shell casings on the ground out there as well. So, if you again, if you have any information regarding Catherine's disappearance or you know of her whereabouts please call the Salina, Kansas Police Department at 785-826-7210 or uh, call Crime Stoppers anonymously at 785-825-8477 or you can text Tips to CRIMES to 74637 or visit www.pd.salina.org and follow the Crime Stoppers link to submit a web tip. You may receive a cash reward of up to $1,000 and you're not required to give your name. Or you can also call KBI at 785-296-4017 and see if we can't help get her located and back to where she needs to be. And Another little note there, the far left photo of Catherine in the Kansas City Royals jacket there was the last known photo taken of her. And that was taken from a security video of her as she was backing out of the quick shop door after she had gassed up her van. She had her newspaper and her cup of coffee and was headed out the door for the day. So that was the last known photo of her taken.
0: Jeez. That's so eerie. Yeah no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: I shared that on Reddit and it got a ton of activity on it from our KMU pod page. Mm-hmm. A lot of people. Because there's a there's a subreddit called Last Images and it's just people post pictures. that It was people's last picture they ever took. And I, that's obviously her last image. You know, that's yeah. the last time anybody ever saw her live. And it was captured on uh a video i mean obviously it's a grainy video from 1993 but still you can see who it is you know it's it's the last image but um i was going to ask you where as far as this this storage area place was you know salina is that an area that was kind of maybe not now but back in 93 is that an area that was out
1: isolated enough that nobody would notice a gunshot oh i'm yeah yeah because it sits behind a gas station that's on the corner of Centennial and Magnolia. Um, and then across the street from it is like Salina Tech, and, um, and uh, it's uh, part of K State now, but it used to be, I think back then it was still called Kansas Technical Institute, but now it's part of K State. So, and of course, the airport's out there, the runway, and all that good stuff. And so, I mean, it's a pretty, there's not much residential area in that area until you get further south from there and further north from there so if a gunshot would have rang out that time in the morning it may not have been heard because like i say you got the airport out there and stuff like that so i mean it's hard to say Uh, i don't know and where did they find the van it was located at russell's restaurant which is over on westport boulevard which is just right off of west crawford right by the the I-35 uh, Crawford, it's where the I-135 interstate exits off onto Crawford, and it's right there at, at that exit. And across the street, it's Russell sits behind 24-7, which is a truck stop, and then across the street from it's a couple of restaurants on the other side of the street and a hotel further back on, across the street. So, I don't know like i said the restaurant was closed at that time for renovations so there would have been nobody at the restaurant that time you know whenever it was found so
2: do they know roughly how many miles were on her van before when she drove it that morning and how many were on it when they found it um i'm trying to think i thought maybe you had said something about 50
1: i believe there was around 50 or 60 probably Okay, because
2: that's telling. Because that means yeah. if if it, if it took place in that van, and she was disposed of. I'm just, and I don't know. We don't know. if she she's missing. But if if she was you know killed in that van and disposed of using that van, that means that Catherine's body is more than likely, uh, 25 miles away from from where that van was parked. You know, you figure half the miles going to hide the body, half the miles going. I don't know. It just seems like yeah. they, there's not, you can only get so far in 50 miles, you know, like her body right. couldn't have got far.
1: Yeah. And my brother is saying just close enough to the airport to generate enough noise that a gunshot or two may not be heard Yeah, And he also says he drives by that facility every day, going to work sometimes at 5:30, and there's not much traffic in that area at that time of the morning. Wow. Yeah. Now here yeah. uh, I can't remember how long ago it was, but I remember just down Magnolia Road to the east of that storage facility, um, there's a creek that runs north and south, and there were some mushroom hunters back in that creek searching for mushrooms, and they did come across part of a skull, and police came out, or not police, the sheriff's department came out, KBI came out, and um, they took this the, the piece of the skull. I'm not sure how much of the skull it was. Whether it was, you know, mis- just missing the lower jaw, or if it was just part of the crown of the skull, I have no idea. They never have said. But they did send it off for DNA testing, and uh, they couldn't come up with enough of a profile to compare it to anything. So, but in the location it was located, the first thing that came to mind since it's just down the street from a storage facility was Catherine Adam. And then the second one I thought of was Kenny Rychek because the last place he was seen was the Gospel Mission, which is further south down the same road, uh, Centennial Road, from that storage facility and, and gas station on that corner. So those are the first two I thought of. But if they can't pull enough of a DNA DNA out of it to do a, a, a decent profile, so I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea.
2: Because that was one of the main comments on the Reddit post I made. Somebody said, I wish they would release, you know, who who they think that skull belongs to. Yeah. But you got to think about it. If it's just partial, part of a skull, mm-hmm. like that thing could realistically be 100 years old. I mean, that we don't could, know how old that skull is.
1: And, you I, I wonder, you know, they weren't out there too awful long that day because Menards is just a little bit further east down the road yet on Magnolia where Terry and I work. And, and I think they were out there about three o'clock that afternoon. And by the time I got off work that day, they were already gone. And I think I only worked till like six or seven. That, I think about six that day. And they were already gone. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm just like, how thorough of a search did they really do in that short right. time, you know? That being, being that it's a creek you know i mean i mean there's a couple of possibilities i mean an animal could have come across it somewhere and carried it and dropped it where it was found right. or if it was in the actual creek bed and and you know around the time she disappeared we had a lot of flooding going on from a lot of rain it could have washed down the creek from somewhere right. it's it's hard to
2: say but i mean that th- that's the thing though we don't know if that skulls uh, twenty years old. We don't know if it could be Kenny. You know, two yeah. years old. We don't know if it could be somebody that settled out here in the fifteen, in the eighteen hundreds. We don't know. It's like that's the thing. We don't know how to, It's a skull lasts a long time. Yeah, um, but Reggie says Selina is sounding spooky. Just saying. And then we started talking about some other stuff. And he says, "Okay,
1: now I do believe Selina is creepy. It can be." I was just informed last night by a neighbor of mine in the in the apartment building next to my apartment building that apparently yesterday morning at about four o'clock in the morning, there was three guys going along our parking lot, checking for unlocked cars. <laughs> so, I'm like, come on, really? We got to get you out of there, man. We got to get you a, uh, get you a safer spot, man. <laughs> yeah. It's like, come well, on, we- so, and I was talking to the, to the landlord about it this morning. And I said, you know, and the bad part is we don't know if it's residents, friends or associates or residents or just idiots that thought it would be fun to try All it. Right. Yeah. You know.
2: Just lock your car, man.
1: No, oh, I do every lock night. Lock
2: it tight every night. Well, tell me about this one. Let's talk about Charles McEverett Henry. Okay. Charles Charles Everett McHenry.
1: I'm sorry, I messed that up. <laughs> He's been missing from Great Bend, Kansas, since May 6th of 2016. He was 27 when he went missing. He would now be 33. He is six foot two, weighs 180 pounds, has black hair and black eyes. Um, let's see, he was last known to be driving an uh, an unknown make two-door black car away from a house on the five hundred block of Northwest Twenty Avenue between Hoisington and Great Bend. Um again at the time of his disappearance he was twenty-seven. He'd now be twenty-nine, or no, thirty-three. I gotta fix that down there. Be thirty-three. Um he's six two, weighs 180 pounds, he has black hair and black eyes. He was last known to be wearing a black t-shirt and denim shorts. He has tattoos on his left arm, one is of the cross, and it says Tyler on his upper arm, and an eagle with a flag on the lower arm, and they are pictured above up there. His eyebrow and left ear are pierced. He has a large scar near his left knee and a large scar on his right arm from the elbow to the wrist, a scar on his right knee, a scar on his forehead, scars on both sides of his ribs, a scar on the bottom of his left foot, and a dimple dip in his left bicep. He has a plate in his right arm from elbow to wrist and two screws in his left knee. If you have any information regarding Charles' disappearance or you know of his whereabouts, please call the Great Bend, Kansas Police Department at 620-793-4120 or the KBI at 785-296-4017 and see if we can help get Charles located and back home to where he needs to be. I wonder if he was in some kind of a car accident or something to sustain so many injuries and have so many scars and the plate in the arm and the screws in the knee. Right. Yeah. You know. Makes me wonder. He looks... He
2: looks like... Uh, Somebody I know, hmm. um, like eerily, like somebody I know. Huh. It's, it's, so every time we cover his flyer, it's always weird to me because it's like it looks like my friend. Well, I mean, I feel like Charles is my friend because we've been covering his flyer since I joined, you know, helped started working with you. But yeah, he looks a lot like a guy I grew up with. So I just I feel sad because if that person that I'm talking about was missing, I would really hurt. And Charles was yeah. that person to a lot of people, you
0: know. Right.
2: Two more flyers, everybody, then we are going to get out of here. We're going about 10 minutes over so far, so we're going to get out of here soon. But go ahead and tell us about Stephanie Welch from Lakin, Kansas.
1: Okay. She's missing from Lakin, Kansas since February 28th of 20, oh, 2001. Excuse me. Um, she was 23 when she went missing. She would now be 44. She is five 5'8", 190 pounds, brown hair, and brown eyes. She dropped off her youngest son at daycare in Lakin at approximately 9.15 in the morning on February 28th, 2001. Earlier, she had dropped her older child off of preschool. Authorities believe that she drove back to the mobile home where she was preparing to vacate shortly afterwards. Stephanie may have returned to the property to remove some of her and her children's personal belongings. She has never been heard from again. She was engaged to Roy Moore in early 2001 and was planning to move out of her mobile home and into his house. She was driving his silver 1990 Mazda 626 at the time of her disappearance. Moore's vehicle was discovered abandoned in the private driveway of a mobile home park in southeast Lincoln at approximately 11 a.m. Witnesses said that an unidentified man dressed in black walked away from the car shortly afterwards. Authorities do not believe Stephanie knew anyone inside the park and theorize that someone else drove Moore, Moore's car to the location. Excuse me. Her jacket and her wallet, which contained $500, were discovered on the front seat of the vehicle. The wheel wells were covered in snow and mud, and someone drove the car for miles before parking it in the driveway. Moore picked up Stephanie's son from the daycare after she failed to return by 6 p.m. He learned that his vehicle had been abandoned earlier in the day after reporting Stephanie's disappearance later during the evening. An extensive search of the area produced no clues as to Stephanie's whereabouts. Investigators believe she may have been murdered between the time she dropped off her son and the time Moore's vehicle was discovered. Authorities said her remains could have been hidden in numerous locations. Several abandoned wells are scattered throughout the area. The man who was seen leaving her car is considered the prime suspect in her disappearance. If you have any information regarding Stephanie's disappearance or you know her whereabouts, please call the Kearney County Sheriff's Office at 620-355-6211. Or the KBI at 800-572-7463 or 785-826, or excuse me, 785-296-4017. And see if we can't help get Stephanie located and back to where she needs to be.
2: Yeah, that's that's a sketchy story. Yeah. The whole car situation, the fact that there was money left in the car, you know what I mean? Yeah. Obviously, to me, that points that this was not like a robbery situation. Whoever, if somebody did something malicious to her, had to be personal because they didn't even take the money. That's that's how personal I felt it was. Right. Wow. <laughs> well, that's the second you know case from that you know Rachel Pratt's from the same area you know and yeah. Um, it's just. It's kind of crazy, you know. And this one um, we're going to cover, and Ricky's just going to read the flyer. We don't know much. Actually, we know a ton about this, and Ricky's actually, he'll go ahead and tell you about that.
1: Yeah, Donna and Carson's friend and her unborn child were beaten and shot to death. The case was long believed to be drug-related, but it has since been questioned. Donna, a 17-year-old housewife, and Carson, a 25-year-old farmhand, were being used to, to trace drug sales in southwest Kansas. They've been placed in that spot by brother-in-law Mike Walker, who was an ex-con turned KBI informant. Walker collected $125,000 from a five-month-old life insurance policy on in Carson. This case remains unsolved. If you have any information that can lead to an arrest, please contact the KBI at 785-296-4017, or you can call the 800 number 1-800-572-7463. And let them know what you know regarding Donna and Carson's case.
2: And Ricky was kind of pointing out that him and Double T talked. And i well, we're going to update this flyer. Ricky's going to make an actual flyer. I got all this information from um, news articles. They weren't online. I had somebody go down to Morton County and go to the, the records room. And they pulled a bunch of uh, articles that ran from, like, Garden City Telegram, papers out of Wichita and Hutchison. And uh, so... The the whole that that's sort of what the the facts that are laid out there. Uh, I'm also going to send Ricky a transcript to somebody was tried for this crime and uh, they did not get convicted of it. But there's a lot to this case. But the reason I wanted to share this flyer is because um, this was, you know, not that long after I was born. And, you know, Carson did have some issues with with um, narcotics. And he came to my house when I was, you know, it was, it was not long after I was born, he came to our house and uh, my mom met him and he was looking for one of my uncles, which if if you know my, my family, the uncle he was looking for, you kind of knew that was probably a bad, bad situation, but, um, my mom told me about it because Carson came to our house not very long before he he passed away. Um, and what really made me sad is that there was no trace of Donna or Carson Friend on the Internet whatsoever. And right. I wanted to change that. So we made some flyers. Ricky's going to make an official flyer soon. And, you know, we just want to make sure that Donna and Carson Friend uh, people remember their names and their faces because it wasn't right what happened to them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we can help get some information generated on their case.
2: Yeah. It's it's been a long time. It's been 39 years, man. Yeah. That's crazy. So, and and these people that, I mean, there's a whole thing. There's a whole trial. It's like, that stuff is available online. Thank, thank God there's, there's like transcripts of, of trials of, of like people admitting they did it and stuff like that. So we'll, we'll talk more about it once Ricky goes over that. And it's a lot of information for Ricky to take in, but um. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to cover tonight, man? We kind of been here for a while.
1: Um. I think we covered pretty, pretty, pretty fair amount tonight. My brother's asking on on the uh, friend's case, what what part of the state was that? Did that happen in?
2: So it happened by. Uh, let me see. It happened by uh, Johnson. So where Mike Golub went missing?
1: okay around that
2: same area i don't know if it was stanton county but it's around that same area it's it's they they were found um murdered by a place called big bow that's all i know
1: Hmm. okay
2: so if anybody knows where big bow in kansas is um but it's right there close to elkhart kansas stanton johnson which is we call it stanton county but it's johnson um right around in in that area and also kind of towards the richfield area which is all like a a conglomerate of little towns, little, 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 little towns in the, in the, in the South and them in the, in the Western Kansas, mm. but somewhere in there. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's not, there's nothing out on the internet and we wanted to change that. We wanted to reintroduce the Donna and mm-hmm. Carson friend case to the, to the world. They were beaten and shot to death and she was pregnant. So three people died that day. And, the, oh, and wow. one of the articles I sent Ricky is there's actually a, a, a judge actually ruled, that the fetus was a, a he, I don't, I, you'll have to look at the article I've seen, but the judge either ruled that it wasn't a person or it was a person, but there was a fetus that died as well. I believe there was a gunshot wound to the fetus. Um, so really terrible crime that needs to have more information out there about it. And there's a ton. It was all sealed up in a, in a record room in Morton County, but I smuggled it out through the help of some friends and Ricky's going to make a really in-depth flyer by based on all the media attention that case got yeah. back then.
1: Yeah, Trisha, I'm pretty tired. It's been <laughs> it's been a while since I've been on a road trip, and see, the last road trip I did was March of last year. Yeah, it was March of last year. You're welcome, Reggie. So yeah, I do need to get some sleep tonight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got to get my daughter Lord, out of my yeah, bed first. Amazing. I got to wake her up and get her
2: out of my bed. <laughs> I love Lori Hayes from Hayes. I love all these people. Man, yeah. come hang out with us every week.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, um, it's it's awesome to see the turnout every week and all the yeah, uh, all the interaction with everybody, and I really enjoy it. Yeah. Well, um,
2: I got to get out of here because I got some stuff I got to do. It's getting a little on the late side. Yeah. Um But Ricky, I feel like uh, I feel like if any if any time we need to do it, we need to do your prayer tonight. We've been forgetting it.
1: Alrighty, Heavenly Father, thank you for being with us tonight as we covered these cases tonight. And as always, I pray they reach the right ears and the right heart and the right person that'll do the right thing and make that crucial phone call to let people, you know, let the law enforcement people know what they know so they can, you know, solve these cases and you know, just protect everybody that's watching the show and and look after the people that are missing and you know find a way to let them know they're being looked for and you know we pray these things in your name heavenly father
0: amen amen if you or someone you know is experiencing a suicidal crisis or emotional distress please call the national suicide prevention lifeline at 1-800-273-8255